what's the worst business name pun you've ever seen or heard? Really great question. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, uh, you know, marketing guys love to think they're clever. And I, yeah. my, my, yeah. my dad was an advertising agent, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> uh, probably probably friends make the world a little more bearable by uh, by this company that was uh, was selling teddy bears. Uh, like, oh. it, it, it just feel like. Oh, bearable. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's rough. There was, I guess it was, I think it was like a tattoo parlor in my college town called Art in Soul. And I just really oh, hated it because the phrase is heart and soul. Oh, that's in soul. Uh, yeah, so, it was not even recognizable. Like not only a bad pun, it's a wrong pun. <laughs> it, it, and it's so close to being right, you know, if yeah. they just put in a little more work. <laughs> yeah, that one, every time I walked by it, it just made my skin crawl. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a rough one. <laughs> Kyle, you got a good one? I feel like... You you would be the person to make a bad business name pun. I mean, oh my god, without <laughs> without a doubt. Honestly, the the first thing that came to my mind, and I, I don't know if it's bad, but it's my favorite. I don't know how much of a pun <laughs> it is, but I I don't know where we came across it. But a, the pizza place, a slice of the eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> we love a slice of the eighties. A slice of the eighties. Well, that, I, I mean, if you're going to do a, 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 if you're going to do a slice of a decade, I think that's the one to do. Yeah. A slice of the 1750s doesn't really <laughs> sit quite as, as well. <laughs> uh, no, but that would be much more on brand for us. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips, our brand. <laughs> I am Emily Moyers. And I'm Kyle Imperator. And Emily, have I got a word for you? I, I'm sorry. Are you asking me or telling me? It sounded like both. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, Kyle, how about this? I have a word for you. I'm stating oh, that, that for Emily. Good. <laughs> Kyle, your word today is logology. L-O-G-O. L-O-G-Y. Oh, logology. Um, uh, Lifeline, I'd like to phone a friend. No, no, Kyle, you cannot do this again. You do this every time. Well, like, I didn't just bring a whole person here for nothing. What? No, Kyle, why do you always just have a whole person I, on how, tap? How else would I know the answer to your question? Oh my God, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome T. Campbell to the show. Hi guys, it's uh, it's 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 an honor to be here. And and Kyle, thank you for not bringing uh, half a person. That would be rather uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I could have brought two halves too, but I decided against that. <laughs> would have been a less interesting show. <laughs> T. Before you get me out of doing my job, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
<laughs> well, how, um, I uh, I have spent a lot of my career being known for comics, but more recently I've been known for crosswords and wordplay. I've been tearing up the uh, Substack with every piece of wordplay related thing that I can think of, and that's led me to starting the Journal of Wordplay, which is. Now the only scholarly publication that deals with uh, with words wackiness in any way, shape, or form, and all this is has been kind of feeding into and kind of feeding from the Ubercross Abecedaria, which is my attempt at creating the world's largest crossword puzzle. Well, I don't know how Kyle does it every time, but it seems like you are the right guy for the job here. What do you think? Do you know what logology means? Well, logology means several things, and that kind of vexes me for reasons I'll get into later, but um, (laughs) it's sometimes used to mean a study of logos like the golden arches or coca-cola's cursive or slice of the 80s or slice of the (laughs) 80s however the uh, however the 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 letters of slice of the 80s look (laughs) sometimes it's used to mean a study of sciences like if you take the root logi like biology and just double it so logi logi logology and then there's kind of the word version of numerology where you're studying words with the idea that they have magical meanings imprinted in them and it's just up to you you uh, you alchemist you to uh, to <laughs> tease the, uh, the the bright meanings out of them that's yeah. a good start anyway yeah i mean that's three great answers uh, especially alchemy really right up our alley um, but i mean that's definitely a winning theme moment right for tea yes not for you kyle oh all right well play the music well, no, there is a uh, there there is a fourth meaning. Oh, good. Maybe I'll get a theme this time. <laughs> <laughs> Logology can also mean recreational linguistics, or put more simply, wordplay. You guys are mostly discussing the meanings of words. Wordplay covers like everything else, the way the letters behave, whether the word can be flipped upside down to mean another word, whether the letters can be rearranged, all that fun stuff. And this is stuff you talk a lot about in your journal of wordplay that's upcoming? Yes. Thankfully, it's not just me. I've got a a number of talented folks from a prior publication called Wordways, which is no longer with us, but we're doing our best to soldier on in its name. Wordways has been one of my inspirations for a long time. It's something that I have come back to whenever I've needed a little bit of research into what's been done with, uh, with something like puns or palindromes or spoonerisms. But... A couple of years ago, it ceased publication. The editor was making a lot of uh, noise that he just needed a little break and he would be bringing it back any day now. But then, uh, well, there's no really delicate way to say this. He died instead. And there was an interim publication that some of the contributors got together for a year and change called Interim. It was not a name that they put a lot of thought into before they <laughs> used it. And then that <laughs> fell by the wayside. The editor just got swamped and a couple of other people made some plans that didn't go anywhere. And it was just like, um, okay, 
I guess there just needs to be someone who's got the right degree of arrogance to, to believe <laughs> that he can bring this back. And and I guess that someone is going to have to be me because uh, because otherwise it's just not going to go anywhere. I think you're probably the best person to carry on this legacy. So, you know, I think we're all happy that you are. You're carrying it on as the Journal of Wordplay, right? That's what it's called? The Journal of Wordplay, yes. The original Wordways had a subtitle, The Journal of Recreational Linguistics, which is very nice. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's got that tongue-in-cheek humor that communicates yeah. the, uh, the the tone of the publication. But I, but I was just like, people tend not to read subtitles or share right. subtitles on social media so uh, right. yeah. so so we need something as simple as we can make it and the journal of wordplay gets the job sums done. it up yeah mm-hmm. it's concise it works yes. yeah. as i understand it you've already started accepting submissions for the journal might you share the nature of some of those submissions well sure yeah now you guys you guys talked briefly about lipograms those are exercises where the writer is using a limited alphabet, like they might try to write an entire story without the letter E. Right. I think we talked about that in our Ulipo episode, if people yeah. are curious. Yeah. We have a we have a submission from somebody who has put together a word lipogram where he's restricting his vocabulary. Oh. And he he's trying to compose a sentence using only the ten most used words in the English language. And since those words tend to be things like the and of, right. it's, it's a pretty <laughs> challenging proposition. Very. One piece that I have brought in myself with a little bit of editing and feedback from the other Wordways contributors is about hidden words, words that are hiding within longer strings or strings that are hiding within longer strings. I was inspired when I saw the movie Ant-Man Quantumania. We got to the end credits and Ant-Man came on the screen and then some other letters came in and spelled out Quantumania, revealing oh, that, that Ant-Man is in the middle. Yeah, the main character's name had been hiding inside the subtitle wow. the whole time. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Are there any other movies like that? And is there anything else that's related to Ant-Man or Marvel that does this kind of thing? And so that was um, mostly me, but a uh, but a bit of a collaboration with a, with a couple of Wordways contributors. So that was fun. That's a great thing to come up just by happenstance to see that you know in the film and be like oh wow this is you know something we could use yeah yeah and i mean I'm, i mean i was primed you know there yeah. there are lots of people who who ask writers where do you get your ideas and it's difficult to explain because ideas are everywhere you just have to train yourself to see them yeah once them. once you're switched on you can absorb anything from anywhere <laughs> right and, 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 and you guys know that very well i'm sure doing this podcast is suddenly a, a word that you might have otherwise glided right by becomes this a fascinating journey but yeah. anyway we, we've got a piece on spoonerisms and how they uh, can be used in marketing. Spoonerisms, just for those who don't know, are exercises in swapping around the initial sounds of words, usually just the first sound, sometimes the first syllable, like turning missing history into 
a hissing mystery, which seems like it has a little bit of extra meaning to it. You, you, sure. If you're missing history, you will, you, will, you will encounter a mystery and it might not be a pleasant one. <laughs> There's a piece on yes. alphagraphic arithmetic, which to explain it as simply as I can, involves boiling letters down to the number of strokes used to represent each letter and then oh. assigning numeric values to words based on that. Oh, that's interesting because that would also depend on the handwriting of the person. It would, actually. He is using a fairly standard sans serif font as his basis and is trying to figure out something about the complexity of various words through that. And we have a couple of pieces on Wordle. There's one very good one. It was previously published, but under a Creative Commons license. So it's something that we can represent. And he has figured out some optimal Wordle strategies using a great deal of statistical calculation. So if you're if if you're actually interested in playing better, this is a uh, this is a chance to do it with science. There's wow. another piece that we have to summarize a little bit because it's a little too much in the weeds for a general audience. But its title is Wordle is NP hard, and what that means in the most basic terms that I can reduce it to is that there is not a way to program a computer to get a perfect Wordle score every time. Really? Okay. So that is something that humans need to do. Wow. To play That's... Wordle to get a perfect score because the computer can't do it. You could program a computer to get a perfect Wordle score probably 97, 98% of the time, but it is not something that computers can completely solve on their own. The meaning of NP hard is related to the amount of computational time that something takes. NP-hard doesn't mean that it's actually totally impossible. It's just going to take more time than you have. Yeah, more time than you have to exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing I wanted to talk about, one of the articles I noticed in your Substack that I think in your initial call to action for the Journal of Wordplay was a John Henry challenge where you pitted human submissions against ChatGPT to construct abecedarian sentences. Can you like let the audience in on what that all means? Well, an abecedarian sentence is a sentence that has 26 words and the words each begin with one letter of the alphabet in the order of the alphabet. We did broaden this a little bit to say if it, if you break it into a few sentences, it's, it's not a deal breaker. But <laughs> the example that was used when chat GPT-4 was introduced, the input was explain the plot of Cinderella in a sentence where each word has to begin with the next letter in the alphabet from A to Z without repeating any letters. The output was a beautiful Cinderella dwelling eagerly finally gains happiness, inspiring jealous kin. Love magically nurtures opulent prince, quietly rescues slipper triumphs, uniting very wondrously zenial youth zealously. 
beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty good. I can pick on the grammar yeah. a little bit in a few places, right. but it's a uh, but it's it's a lot better than people expect it. Yeah, I was just gonna like it got the prompt right, which is like yeah, not always the case with ChatGPT. <laughs> yes, that's uh, yes, that is true. It is still a repository for confident bullshit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say. It, I mean, just as a prompt in general, it seems like such a difficult puzzle because you not only have to do it in alphabetic order but also a chronological order for a film in 26 words yeah it is a challenge and the ending of it is the real killer because you're supposed to be yeah. bringing it home and giving your, <laughs> you the hardest letters. Giving your conclusion <laughs> and you've got the hardest letters to work with <laughs> yeah one of the thousand words that starts with x sure sure right. yeah no problem but much um, much easier for a computer yeah. to search through all the words that start with x that i've never Right. But I did get a large number of responses. One guy sent in about nine just on his own, but I, but I got oh, about wow. nine others from other sources. And what I am in the process of doing is taking what I consider a few standouts along with GPT's version and testing them on some people who have no prior exposure to this and asking them which they think is best and which amuses them the most a few oh. questions like that and we and and from that we will uh, you, you know we will see yeah we've we've looked into this recently because we also you know i mean for everybody this AI revolution is kind of opening new doorways and, but, you know, we were thinking scary doorways, oh, possibly, yeah, possibly <laughs> <laughs> decrepit doorways. <laughs> so we recently did a Patreon episode on the impacts of AI on life, I guess. Uh, but I think this is a perfect place to bring it up because ChatGPT is uh, a large language model, an LLM. And so it must be a major presence now in wordplay, I assume, uh, perhaps wrongfully, because it's it's potentially able to look at language even more objectively than we can, right? Yeah, well, it's a well, computer science interacts with what I do all the time. When I'm doing research on some particular property, like for instance, if I'm searching for what words have only one vowel, I will usually use some kind of approach with Excel or Word and the wrinkles that they offer to figure that out in a way that saves me so much time <laughs> compared to what I would have to do 30 years ago. Yeah, there are people in sure. the crosswording community that are very concerned about putting together the ideal word list, assigning values to the various words that can be used giving the most value to the to the words that they most want to see in the crossword and then ranking on down to what is considered completely unacceptable and that's and that's all in anticipation of the fact that people are mostly using software to design crosswords these days right. it's a, yeah. we're still making some decisions but um, those decisions are increasingly informed by what the algorithms have to offer us so still human involvement just just we're starting to work together with the uh, the motherboard yeah it's going to be uh, it, I think we're still a generation out in terms of most of what I do from the time that uh, that people are going to start turning things entirely over to the uh, to 
the computer. Like there, there are new words every year. There are new interpretations of words every year. There are new debates about which words are, are proper to use or not. And all of that has to be kept up with. By the AI. Like, like we, there has to be human input into the AI for it to recognize things as what they are. Yeah, exactly. Well, that all sounds so yeah. incredibly fun and interesting and maybe a little bit dystopian with the AI stuff, but um, <laughs> not to be a party pooper, but I'm sort of curious about the function of these sorts of wordplay things. Like, all of that constitutes wordplay, but what justifies it exactly? Has there ever been any practical application of anything from wordways or what you're working on? Well, there are two ways to uh, field that question, and it depends on how practical you want to get. In a, in a very direct sense, we are building on each other's efforts. I think that a simple word game does have a practical application in terms of keeping people sane in a world that has, <laughs> a, sure. that, that, that has many things pulling them in another direction. It can be very much a relief to go to this small space where you've got a few little interactions and they seem to verify that you are in fact smart and when we're <laughs> developing yeah. puzzles it's good to be able to uh to look at each other's work see what's been done before and might be uh, considered boring because it's been done so many times or might be considered something to build on a little more when i was doing a, a large crossword that uh, that included a lot of anagrams i had a lot of help because many anagram sources had already been made available to me but a lot of people when they ask is there a practical justification for it they're thinking of the harder sciences sure. and the answer is yes we don't always know exactly what kind of play is going to be rewarded by a uh, by a justification that we can use in work. But one area that has really come around in the last 20 years is we understand dyslexia a lot better now, thanks oh. in part to work with anagrams and understanding how language is normally understood. There's a piece that's kind of made its rounds where most of the words in it are rearranged, but the first letter and the last letter are kept where they are. And it turns out mm -hmm. that doing that means that the paragraph remains very readable because yes, we don't process words as one letter at a time. We we look at the first letter and we look at the last letter and then we sort of look at the other letters and we, right. and we say, okay, yeah. I think we, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what that word is. Yeah. Right. It all just works itself out there. Your brain kind of unscrambles it for you. Yeah. It, 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 there are going to be some aspects of what we do that probably will not have a direct impact on the harder sciences like that, but it's hard to say for sure. And just like any other kind of artistic play, you just do you you just do the play, and then you uh, and, and then you see what justify what, it later. Uh, <laughs> justify yeah, justify it later. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's bring this all back around. Obviously, you have your own horse in this race. We've mentioned earlier in this conversation, the Ubercross Abyssidaria. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Sure. Yes. The Eurocross in general is a series of giant puzzles I've done over the years. And with each one, I've edged a little closer to the crazy goal of constructing the largest crossword puzzle ever. <laughs> and with the Ubercross Abyssidaria, I'm in a position to get there. It is 25 puzzles that are fairly large on their own, yeah. 125 by 125 squares. But they're also designed so that they join up together, Voltron style. And that <laughs> merged Voltron puzzle style. will be over... A hundred thousand answers, <gasps> where whereas wow. the current record holder is sixty six thousand. So we should wow. be comfortably <laughs> above what the uh, what what that Truly. is. An easy Guinness record. My worst fear is that is that two days before I release the final piece, somebody is going to come out with uh, with a one hundred fifty thousand <laughs> answer puzzle. But uh, but you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think we can actively work to make sure that that person does not release that for you. We, we're willing yes. to do that for you. I mean, we, we, we definitely oh, are because Kyle and I are, are big crossword people. It is a major pastime of ours. And Seth, too, actually. You know, it's funny you talked about like these sorts of wordplay puzzles being like a thing to keep you sane in hard times because we did so, so, so many crosswords at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So this is like right in our wheelhouse. <laughs> I think we did three a night at that point. <laughs> we were like, Next we would just one. park in side by side cars and send each other pictures yeah. of the crossword while we chatted it out in a parking lot. Yeah, I, I, I can relate. I really can because the pandemic was like my final push in terms of committing to getting this done. It had been an idea that that I sort of sat on for a couple of years beforehand, but I suddenly needed a massive project to give structure to my days and 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 here it was it still took yeah. a long time and i ended up getting pulled away from it for about a year at one point when i had a comics project to uh, develop but that was probably good for it in the long run i needed just a little bit of time to let other parts of my brain stay active sure. and then when i came back to it i was uh, i was fairly fresh and i've been finishing it off ever since uh, speaking of that i'd love to know what sort of thing goes into actually constructing a crossword because i've thought about it you know myself like oh i you know i do crosswords all the time i could make one and every time i try to i think all right there's got to be a machine that can help me because i don't even know where to start <laughs> there is software that can help you the, the software i use is crossword compiler i use that one because it was the only game in town when i uh, got started and the creator was kind enough to show me a little back door that could make the crosswords the size that I wanted. A lot of people these days do use Crossfire. Everybody starts in the same way, which is roughly backward to how the solver experiences the puzzle. A lot of people think, for whatever reason, that we start with the clues. No, you start with the clues. We start right. with the answers. Make it, making all the words cross and <laughs> yeah, fit. Yeah. yeah, making all the words cross. And, and, and we start with a, with a few answers first. If it's a themed puzzle, then those will be the theme entries. 
if we're doing something like uh, New York Times puzzle I solved recently, where the theme was well-known sayings where you don't need the whole saying, like great minds or speak right. of the devil, oh, you can fill in yeah. the rest of it yourself. That's so good. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. There are also themes where you've altered familiar phrases in some consistent way that you lay out in five or six examples. And and usually, you know, what drives a crossword constructor to do this is is, is that sort of look at this cool rock I found impulse. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you change the AR to EE in these six different phrases, look at the wacky stuff that comes out. Or or coming across uh, Ant-Man and Quantumania. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, you yeah. could you could easily expand that observation as long as you found five or six other things that were sort of like that. If you're doing a themeless puzzle, a lot of the same principle applies. You're not putting together a few words that have some particular theme in common, but you are putting together a few words that you think are really interesting and you really want to share with a solver, like, you know, the word self-own, S-E-L-F-O-W-N. Mm-hmm. It's it's such an interesting part of modern discourse that we yeah. now have a word for people who are insulting themselves either on purpose or more often accidentally. <laughs> That's a good short one to build a puzzle around. But the longer a um, word is, and particularly the higher Scrabble score it has, the more impressive it is to get in a grid. So people like to do that. Do those principles also apply when you're doing more like crosswords with a more intense design like like for example the portrait of stan lee that you did in crossword form oh yeah yeah with your cross canvas size in general i'm taking a lot of these themes further yeah there's a graphic aspect and yes there's also the grid art aspect i like to make the puzzles look like things the abyssid area every installment is modeled after one letter except for ij they share a room oh. it's so that i can <laughs> arrange the whole thing into a five by five grid uh um, right. and an i and j you know i and j are fairly slender as letters go yeah. they could they can handle a roommate yeah. situation they can do a motorcycle sidecar <laughs> yeah at the uh, <laughs> but yeah the stan lee puzzle the single theme was also the visual design it was modeled after stan lee Twitter avatar and try to remember I think I think it was 200 keywords that openly related to Stanley somehow characters that he'd created movies that he'd done cameos in um, notable people that he'd worked with that sort of thing and then you know I I filled in the rest but in the final phase the cluing phase I nudged things a little bit further toward the theme because if there was a way to, to clue some random word that connected to Stan Lee or his life somehow, I did it. So we ended up with a lot more theme content because of that. It's it's really incredible. And the, the Ubercross, I mean, the, the scale of it is impressive, but also the fact that you've put so much care into designing 
clues that all interact with each other and the graphic aspect it's really this like gesamtkunstwerk it's this you know beautiful oh, wagnerian piece it's just it's it's amazing <laughs> we love yeah. it well i thank you for that it's a great experience a, uh, they, there have been mistakes uh, and sometimes i've made a policy of owning those mistakes openly if i feel like <laughs> that can enhance the user's experience sometimes when a juggler accidentally drops something and he just kind of cheerily keeps going yeah. and then, then picks it up with his foot it's like, it is like it's all part of the show folks um, <laughs> you've got to make a square that is saying oh all of those mistakes were on purpose and this is the errata you know uh, clues <laughs> of all the mistakes you have to find <laughs> steer into it yeah yeah oh yeah so yeah it's just like uh, just just like Stan Lee and his no prizes, you know, you were, when when the reader finds a mistake, the challenge is for the for the reader to sort of reason that the uh, that the mistake isn't a mistake at all. And if uh, and if you uh, right. if you do that right, then Stan would send you a uh, letter that has nothing in it besides the declaration that this this letter contains a magnificent Marvel no prize. But yeah, you've got you've you've, you've got to turn it all into fun. You got to keep building things based on everything that you've done and i find that just sort of owning that is is a lot healthier than uh, than, yeah. than trying to uh, <laughs> and trying to be the, the 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 perfect god of crosswords which i am not <laughs> right no but you are you are definitely a skilled cross crossword smith and you've spent so much time <laughs> making these excellent games for the world and this seems like it could possibly transition us into playing a game Okay, well, cer- yeah. well certainly, uh, uh, go right ahead. All right, you guys, this is a game that Seth and I workshop. This game is called Uber Jumble. Oh. Because it's sort of similar to the, to the jumble puzzle, although not really. So okay. oh, here's okay. how this game is going to go. And here's where uh-huh. you might need a pencil and paper. I'm going to oh, give you okay. a series of prompts, which are sort of similar to crossword clues. And you guys are going to work together to solve all of those crossword clues. Oh, thank um, God it is a cooperative <laughs> game. Is, oh, it's a collaborative game today. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but here's the catch. You won't know whether or not your answers are right until the end. Okay. So okay. I'm just going to give you questions. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so your first one is hoc homonym, etc. H O C. And oh. that is homonym H O M I N E M. My my first guess is add something, right? Ad hoc ad homonym. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. They're both Latin. They mean um hoc means that i believe and homonym means man could mean that man <laughs> that, that, that man you know that guy like a, uh, that a, guy. a, a, a I'm, I'm visualizing a couple of people in togas who are kind of uh, who are kind of thumbing at uh, thumbing yeah. at a third guy in a the corner they don't want to spend any time with um uh, oh homonym am i right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if if you were going to lock in an answer, what do you guys want to lock in? Oh, on? we have to lock it in. You, I'm forcing you to lock it in. <laughs> I mean, 
It is. I will. I Ad will. Is the best that specify. I can come up it's, with. It's Hawk, comma homonym, comma etc. If that oh, helps. Oh yes. Uh, in that case, Cal's idea uh, with a little variation adds a d s. That would be my uh, the, the that would be my guess. Adds. Oh, that's a good guess. I'm into all right. That. So we're locking yeah, in. Ads. Lock that in. Okay. Number two ads. is yeah. a venomous snake. My mother-in-law, am I right? <laughs> wow. Um. I love I love when Kyle comes in like a 60s sitcom character. <laughs> well, there are there are a whole lot of venomous snakes, but if we're thinking crosswords, asp shows up a lot. It's three letters and they're all very useful letters and they're very common so they cross with a lot of other words so like offhand my uh, my guess would be asp the other idea that i had was and i don't know if it's technically a venomous snake but i thought adder just because i have ad on the mind at this point (laughs) well yeah that is very good and it would certainly go well with ads but but asp is good too because it's the three letters you know what are we locking in Hmm. i would Say, let's give Adder a try. Okay. All right. So we've got ads and Adder. If this third one isn't an ad word, we are screwed. (laughs) Yeah. Third one is feeling unwell. Uh, Addled is uh, is kind of feeling unwell. It's kind of confused, uh, not not feeling particularly well in the mind. A-I-L is a... crossword friendly word but uh, but ailing sure. not so much it's a it's a little too long for that not quite the slam dunk that i would really like to feel <laughs> right. like it was at this point but yeah kyle i mean adult just fits the but like this is at this point we're just bubbling in c for everything right is that what we're doing right now <laughs> it's true i mean there there is another shoe to drop at the end so we could we could you know buzz through these and get to the other shoe all right, so I I'm into addled. That works for me. All right, we'll we'll lock in addled. Number four is a type of fruit. Well, um, like a, like apples it, it is uh, apple yeah. is a type of fruit, and it it, it doesn't have an a d in it. But um, are these are these words that cross with each other is that what's going on here you don't know Uh, yet you don't know yes we don't know yet thank you emily (laughs) (laughs) this is like the same glee i get when i'm dming and players are speculating about things i'm like "Hmm, wouldn't you like to know (laughs) yes i i have to say by the way this is my favorite way to solve puzzles when i'm on the other end i do about as many solves with my wife or with my dad or with somebody else as i do on my own it's always better to like bounce ideas off somebody yeah i um i mean apple is probably as good as i'm gonna ever come up with so i'm like that's (laughs) yeah yeah i can't i'm trying to think of any i i think uh i think apple is is what we kind of have to commit to at this point i'm yeah i'm into that (laughs) All right. Uh, so number five is a unit of liquid measurement. Oh. Hmm. Well, just <laughs> rattling off a few that I know. There's mm-hmm, uh, there's mm-hmm. there's liter. There's gallon. There's pint. There's um, any options that start with uh, with with a that I'm 
aware of. Yeah. We thought we thought we had a pattern for these, and it seems yeah. to be oh, uh, no. be evaporating <laughs> like smoke in our hands. Uh, <laughs> really, truly, yeah. <laughs> um, Gallon, I mean, at least has like the double letter in it, which Apple and Addle and Adder has. I mean, ads would be the only uh, one out. <laughs> only in that squeaky instance, wheel. But, yeah. yeah. So, what do we want to lock in for now? Gallon is fine with me for now. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go with gallon. All right, we've got two more to go. Six is one upper, and that's upper U P P E R, not up her. One up her. Well, uh, well, well. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel right answering that one. Uh, yeah, um, Just felt the need to specify. There is topper that kind of has the same meaning as one upper in a way that not a lot of other words do this kind of person who has to be just a little bit better than everybody else in a, mostly in an annoying way yeah i mean that that works for me that goes along with the like the double letter inside thing so yeah i i am it's- taking a look at these and um Remembering what Emily said about the jumble, our first answer adds does anagram nicely to the word sad, and I thought maybe mm-hmm. the others might anagram to oh. emotional states, but but I, I can't. Oh. Uh, at, at this point, that observation might come too late because uh, <laughs> because we'd have to use other words that were primed to anagram to those. Well, we're we're almost through to the finish line, so let's lock okay. one in on this uh, on one upper, and then I can okay. give you the last one. Let's let's go with topper. Uh, that does satisfy your uh, your double letter pattern so we'll see if that works. that's true your seventh clue is make changes again um re-edit or um oh. i mean re-edit again fulfills the inside double letter bent but i have a feeling that that is not the correct bent <laughs> but it does fit in my brain, you know. Yeah, uh, like, like you know, you know, hell, we're committed now. Uh, yeah. uh, let, let, let's go, let's with go with re-edit. Re-edit. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Now that we've got those, I'm going to drop the other shoe. So I'm going to give you seven numbers now, and those numbers represent letters in each of your seven words. I'm going to give them to you in order. And if all your answers were right, those letters should spell out the answer to one last clue. And if not, oh. we might have to go back and rethink some of those answers. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. So your numbers are one, two, three, five, six, four, seven. So you would be the first letter out of the first word, the second letter out of the second word, third, fifth, sixth, fourth, seventh. And the clue is, in order, something each answer does. Right. Well, we've got a we've we've got a problem right away because the uh, because the 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 seventh Re-edit word does not, does have, not seven have, letters. A seven, have does not have seven letters. Yeah. yeah. But just uh, but based on the rest, it would be A D D E N P. Yep, adenp. Adenp. That's the answer. You got it. Ah, <laughs> I knew we were uh, close. <laughs> Emily, can you tell us which ones are wrong? I can tell you, you have got 
four answers wrong. Oh my god. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Uh, no, actually I lied. You've got five answers wrong. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, <laughs> technically, technically one of them one of them is innocuously wrong. <laughs> so, venomous snake is wrong. Feeling unwell is wrong. One upper is wrong and make changes again is wrong. But Apple and Gallon are correct. Oh, Apple and Gallon are right. And adds, the answer we had was just add singular. So yeah. it doesn't affect it. Okay. Uh, Venomous Snake. Had, I, I mean, now, now that we're kind of free of the idea that these all had some ad connection, which, which right. you know, was, was clearly, a, uh, <laughs> clearly misleading. I will say... Yeah. It is, I just need to quickly correct myself. It is slightly important that the answer to number one is ad singular. Yeah. I mean, AD uh, as, as in, as in 1973 AD, but that's not anything. Oh, sure. Or at least yeah. I can't get it to be anything. There are several venomous snakes, of course. There's, there's Cobra, there's Copperhead, there's, um. Asp. Asp. Okay. I mean, if Asp were it, then it would be the S that we're taking from it. Are we supposed to add a letter each time? Maybe is that a, is a add asp and then four letters something something else? Um, well, two, three, four, five, possible six, seven, eight. Um, so then, feeling unwell would be a four-letter word, which would could be just sick. It could be sick. Then that would be a a s c e n. I mean. Ascends, ascends, because they're because they're ascending because they're because they're adding a letter each time. Um, Apple and Gallon are already in shape to do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so what? One upper. One, one upper. Seven um, letters. Um, you'd need a D, and you'd need it in the fourth position. I mean, if that's re-revise, I'll explode. <laughs> it does. It, it it does seem like re-revise works perfectly for that. So I'm gonna say uh, say I'm, I'm gonna go with re-revise. <laughs> well, um, I don't know what the uh, one upper could be though. Can we can we guess ascends without having all yeah, of the it, it, clues yeah, correct? I think we're going to guess ascends. Yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, I I will tell you, you guys have have cracked this code. The answer is ascends, and each each word got one letter longer. So the answers that we had, unless you want to take one last crack at one upper. No, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, the answers that we had were add, asp, sick, apple, gallon, outdoer. Outdoer, oh. okay, and readjust, but re-revise also works, so we'll accept wow. it. Wow, so funny! <laughs> Re- readjust, sure. Uh, uh, really yeah. lucky there. All and right, the Emily, what do we win? A sense. <laughs> oh, uh, well, unfortunately, you didn't get everyone right, so that makes all of your answers null and void. But you know, we had fun, and I can say that because I wasn't playing. I can say that we, <laughs> we all had fun. We did have fun. <laughs> Listen, T, before we wrap up this lengthy yeah. episode, is there anything you want to make sure yeah. that the audience knows about? Maybe where they can find you, how they can submit to the journal if they're inclined? 
you can find me at tcampbell.substack.com and ubercross.com. And if you want to submit to the journal, you can either get my attention by commenting on the Substack or you can uh, or you can reach me directly at tcampbell1000 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining us today, T. We had a blast. We learned so much. <laughs> and we're really looking forward to the first issue of the Journal of Wordplay. And honestly, for everything that you've been working on. It's it's fascinating, fun, and funny, and interesting. And we really do recommend everyone listening goes and checks it out. Yes. And for those folks who are listening, remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, maybe consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Butter No Parsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you, you help us make what we make. <laughs> and with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And I've been T. Campbell. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. <laughs>Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.